Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to the Collision Review. I'm Michael Hamford from What Culture, and I'm joined by Scott Tailford from What Culture Gaming to discuss everything that happened on Saturday's edition of Collision. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or YouTube, <laughs> or wherever you get your podcasts from. Sorry, Scott. They know, they know where it is. I have to do that by myself today. It feels so like I've got no dignity when I'm making well, you, no you, noises. You've heard the What Culture Gaming podcast bit and bits and pieces. We don't have an intro for that. I just sort of go into it. If Josh is sat opposite me on the wind up on a Monday, please go subscribe. I just say a word or a conversation or whatever or fade up the conversation that's happening and that is the intro. I find that so impressive having, <laughs> having sat on the left hand side of somebody with a radio background that knew that it absolutely had oh, to Will sound Oh, like professional. Like yeah. this broadcast professional that also makes funny noises. Yeah. He's the total package. <laughs> He's a six-door player. Uh, what else do we do? We do Raw, uh, Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, uh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We've got wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on WrestleCulture maybe not this week because it's going to be me and Cedric at the wheel for most of the week and today it's just me so apologies in advance to the listeners for the multiple Hamlet content you're going to get today which is why early doors I've brought Scott Tailford in Scott yeah. people love having you on to get your um, sort of infrequent but insightful <laughs> AEW takes thank you when basically you're our kind of our super sub I'm the uh, casual I didn't even know the casual wrestling fan was a term until after I was on and then it was in the description and obviously I started the casual wrestling fan is like a term like a TM it is it's but you've baby faced it right like for the most part it's just this stick used to beat <laughs> like typically AEW with because yes. apparently what they do doesn't sort of appeal to the casual fan you of course are the rule proven exception as you are in every aspect of your life yeah but where are you at currently I think we last caught up in on AEW on a podcast at least over late last summer. It was probably mm. after All In, and we talked about your experience there. Mm-hmm. But a lot has happened. A lot has gone on. Uh, we have a new, well, newish AEW World Champion. Yes, the pre-AEW champion, the former AEW champion, is currently nowhere near television. Uh, the man <laughs> that had one of the best matches at, of the night at All In. Uh, swung for Tony Khan and is now back in WWE. Uh, a lot as the landscape has shifted as it does typically in wrestling. Where are you at currently with AEW before we get dive deeper into collision? Because we, yeah, last year we talked about how cold everything was. 2023 sucked. Like there was just bit, so yeah. many weird, drawn out, in motion things. For me, there was a pivot point when the Undisputed Kingdom revealed themselves. I love the Undisputed Kingdom. I think Wardlow looks bored AF, but I think everyone else <laughs> is great. I love their stupid big riff. Like it's like an Adam Cole sized riff. And for, from then on, it's been pretty confident. And I love 
loved this week in particular is Dynamite and Collision. Mm. Um, I feel like 2024 has been way stronger. Yeah. Um, they've got, there's like, there's little things that I can nitpick. Like, I wasn't a big fan of like uh, Ricky and Big Bill being the tag champs. Like, I always think about where, where are your champs at if I'm going to sort mm-hmm. of look at a company or something um, or AEW and then um, think about which matches I'm excited for and things like that. But all the House of Black FTR stuff's been awesome. Like, um, FTR and BCC from Collision will get there. But like, things like that. Um, no, I think they're really strong at the minute. And I was listening to, um, or I saw the quote that Swerve um, shared around on Twitter or X or whatever, talking about that idea of like, because I was saying last year about how there wasn't that many stories going on. Everything felt quite cold. Yeah. I wasn't really looking forward to anything week to week. And Swerve was like, well, it's not really, that's not really the point. Like, and I, this is going to be so obvious to people other than me. No, no. But like, it's more about the storytelling you're doing in the ring as opposed to the cutaways and the backstage things and everything else. Like, it's mm. more about the struggle, the great overcoming stuff. Like, yeah. you're, you're telling, we're still telling stories in the ring. Um, and he says, you know, we're a challenger brand. We're supposed to be doing something different. And I was like, okay, Swerve, cool. Like, if uh, this is, because I, I think I said last year, like, the whole thing is, maybe this isn't intentional. Maybe, maybe this is intentional. You know, we're not supposed to be looking forward to backstage segments. They, you know, they would do more of them if they thought they needed to. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's just my old WWE, WWF brain mm-hmm. that was always expecting more cutaways. And, um, but, you know, if I think about Hangman and Swerve, their story is almost entirely told in the ring, minus the home invasion bit every now and yeah. then. Yeah. So it's like things like that where I'm like, okay, I get the overall approach. But I think for me, like, AW is like stellar at the minute. Um, even though WWE is shouting my name and I keep watching, the, I watch the press conference thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I can't, I'm going to watch WrestleMania and they've got me for that. But I, I'm really psyched for them at the minute. I think there's a lot in that Swerve mm. comment. And like to the point of you linking it back to 2023. It was Tony Khan loves that challenger brand, and he typically mm. uses Pepsi and Burger King as opposed to Coca Cola and McDonald's. Because mm-hmm. of course you would, because they're massive in their own right, and that you might as well put your brand on a platform there as opposed to your market leader. Mm. I think where AEW in 2023 was accused, I didn't like this, but it was often like it was being hit with uh, accusations of being too much like sports entertainment. Right, now, as somebody that like quite likes sports entertainment done well, Mm -hmm. I didn't see that as such a problem. But I think where AEW maybe got lost is when the market leader actually started to lead the market for a change, it felt Mm -hmm. like the pressure was on them to catch up rather than provide the difference. And it did feel like philosophically that clashed with what AEW existed to originally Mm -hmm. do back in 2019 when, again, the market leader was basically more of a turn of phrase than something that accurately described what was on Raw and SmackDown every week. WWE was miserable forever and ever and ever and ever. (laughs) And then when the product became enjoyable to its base, it almost felt like for the first time the pendulum had actually swung creatively. And I think now we have found ourselves in early 2024 like real life horrors aside that are currently mm-hmm. attached to WWE and you know AEW isn't without those two but mm-hmm. um just strictly analyzing the television shows i think we've reached a point where WWE has found its like fully formed version of itself currently i personally believe they're heading to an apex and then it's going to be downhill mm-hmm. after wrestlemania these things tend to go in cycles mm-hmm. for creative forces and i feel like triple h is about to hit his sort of creative season finale right, right. Well, they need to distract as much as possible. Indeed, so, yeah. indeed. The challenge for Tony Khan was um, not so much about reversing his fortune as maybe just trying to start again. And well, the, yeah. the, the, the phrase that has been bandied around, um, Sidgwick tries to like suggest that people approach this with caution, mm. but the phrase that has been bandied around is restore the feeling. Capital T, capital F with the TM at the end. <laughs> the feeling, the feeling, the feeling. Which summons basically, if you think of a favourite time in your personal fan journey with AEW, mm. it's that feeling, it's that emotion, it's you're looking forward to stuff, it's the anticipation of it all. Yeah, And uh, that seems to be underpinning a lot of what AEW, because I agree with you, mm-hmm. very quietly, and we're going to touch on a couple of things on this show, but very, very quietly, 
Like, AEW is kind of great at the moment. Right. And, you know, I don't think you're necessarily seeing it in massive, big, bombastic letters every week on mm-hmm. Dynamite and Collision. But drilling in, I think there's a lot well, to get excited about. My thing is, like, there's... Because you'll know more of this, because, like I said, I used, I used to watch WWE and WWF back when I was a kid, like, in the early 2000s for quite a while, then I dropped off for, like, whatever years, that 20-odd years. Yeah. Came back in... It was terrible. Punk. You, you were yeah, right exactly. to, like, I wish was, I'd done it. You were right to do it. Yeah, there was, was a terrible. reason everyone gave up. Yeah. And, like, um, when Punk came back in, I came back in. But there's always, like... That's the thing, the conversation you just... The things you just said there, it's like, is there that assumption that wrestling is one thing? Like, this is what you're supposed to be aiming for. And I think 2023 was that weird... It felt like Calm was aiming for that stuff. It's like... Mm. And I didn't... I wasn't ever bothered about Adam uh, Edge coming in. Because yeah. I was just like, I don't need these WWE cast-offs to me. Like, I'm being casual AF. But I was like, I don't care about yeah. these people who have just had a run. Now you come to WWE. Um, unless you have something meaningful for it and then Copeland's proved himself and I like mm. what he's doing there um, but it's that thing of like you kind of saw Khan be like well we're going to try and like you said they're trying to ape the sports entertainment side of it they had a bit of a they did it on the nose with the Jericho stuff and it was like you're the challenger brand you're mentioning WWE quite a lot are you actually trying to mold yourself in that direction yeah um, you know the production's getting higher there's like more there's screens on the ramp there's screens around the ring now that it used to be things like that um, but I feel like a lot of it, because so much of it is curated by Khan, like over the years, and I've already been with it for a couple of years now. Um, you know, is is that just an individual with so much creative control struggling to make it work and then struggling with a certain sense of confidence and actually feeling the rollout as they grow as a person and become this person that can actually lead this stuff? Yeah. And then now you've got <laughs> big business coming. Why is Big Bill not called Big Business? That would have worked so much better. Well, that would have meant that uh, Mercedes' debut would have had to be on a show called Big Bill. I'd take that. I, I, I it's, it's, the big, it's the big, it's a bit of Bill. It's a big Bill. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course it is. Dad it's jokes. A, it's a bank statement. Yeah, you know <laughs> I would have taken that. But still, that big business thing, um, you know, that's them going like, we're bringing in like, the best of New Japan. We've got like, Mercedes Monet. Like, they're, I like that whole thing. Like, this is what AEW is. Like, we'll talk about it, but all the CMLL stuff. Yeah. Like, to me, I love all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love the, the crossing over of the Forbidden Door things and like everything that WWE didn't want you to think about like back in the 2000s. And even now, you can argue, and the way that WWE fans come across online from what I see yeah. is like there's one product and one way to do this, and no one else, and this is the level of production yeah. that we have. And who even cares about the rest of these people? Well, I do, and mm-hmm. they're showcasing them in a really good way. And I'm watching New Japan now because of or certain people like Tanahashi or whatever, and because of the way that that's all been threaded through. Yeah. So I love the overall vision, but I think it was really shaky last year. But it, the, that vision for just wrestling is so strong at the minute. You've given me the perfect segue Bosh. into the collision opener. Thank you, Scott. It was indeed, <laughs> yet again, the Blackpool Combat Club uh, versus representatives of CMLL. In this case, it was Star Junior and S. Uh We saw highlights of them, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club winning mm. the trios match on Wednesday's Dynamite as part of the build-up to this, the ongoing CMLL, CMLL in inverted commas, invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of everything you would expect, really. You saw um, Star Junior and S. Finhay kind of getting the better of Moxley and Castanoli throughout mm. the match, as was the case in the trio match the BCC are now being out wrestled and it took Castagnoli cheating on yep. uh, Wednesday night to get the win with the low blow so this time around it uh, falls on uh, Moxley and Claudio to do a lot of double teams so you've got like things like falls being broken up and dives being stopped but eventually, uh, both same uh, lads managed to get the guys to the floor, do their big dives, put them seemingly under pressure. We come back from the, uh, the commercial break as uh, the match kind of breaks down a little bit. And uh, Esfinia tags in um, Star Junior and is taking uh, John Moxley to task, gets him in an Indian deathlock for the pin. Claudio cuts that off brilliantly this time. They're kind mm. of a, a little bit wiser to the type of offense they've been getting. Um, Star Junior takes them both down. 
uh, it's been here. It's this uh, gorgeous, like lung blower, but like a springboard one. Like yeah. just absolutely drills them. Uh, Moxley fires back with one of his uh, King Kong lariats. He uh, he puts on a Mahistral cradle, which <laughs> felt like that was a bit of a dig. And it's like, right. oh, we'll do what you do, and we'll try and get the win. It isn't enough. There's uh, there's more trade in the blows. Star Junior tags back in, um, but Castagnoli. Uh, Catches him with a, when he comes off the top rope with a crossbody, mm-hmm. throws him into Moxley, who drills him with a cutter. Uh, Castagnoli, it's a, a Rickler bomb uh, on, and then Moxley gets submission on Star Junior with a cross arm breaker. Um, we'll do the post match and then I'll get your thoughts on both. Yep. So um, the BCC win again, and uh, Moxley uh, tells everybody, right, yeah, pass that message on. Uh, we'll take on anybody <laughs> in the world. It does feel like there must be a receipt coming for the BCC, maybe so. at Arena Mexico, yes. when they travel to the CMLL boys' backyard, where maybe the roles will be reversed, perhaps, because so far it's just been a clean sweep mm. for the BCC with this invasion. Um, but in doing so, he basically issues a challenge to anybody in the world of tag team wrestling to come and do something about it. And the call is answered by FTR. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make their appearance. It's all pushing and shoving. Mox pie faces, I think it was, was it Dax or Cash? I can't remember. Dax hits him first, I think. Is that what it was? And yeah. Then either way, they come to blows. They have to be separated. And you've pretty much just built a tag rivalry in that one segment. Not least when you then look at the rankings that Tony mm-hmm. Khan posted later on that showed FTR in both the trios rankings and the tag rankings and thus presumably wanting to get the jump on Mox and Claudio and get their way back mm-hmm. in the rankings as well. What were your thoughts on, you said you liked the CMLL stuff in yeah. general, what was your thought on the match and then the post-match setting up something sort of entirely different? I'm there for the whole thing. I uh, is uh, One quick thing, is Arena Mexico the arena that MGF mentioned last year when he was like, oh, I really want to go bigger than Wembley? And he mentioned an arena that was a big place. Uh, it might not be that one. I don't know if he mentioned that specifically, but right. it is, it's like, it's just not, it's hallowed ground in wrestling fans. <laughs> there was somewhere he mentioned yeah. last year in the Wembley press scrum where he was like, let's go bigger next year or something. And I thought it was that one. Either way, yeah, I hope that that's when they when CMLL finally win. Yeah. Because um, I, I, as much as I love Mox, I adore Danielson. Um, the BCC, as you know, they're a mixed bag to me. Like I, uh, I've talked about it before, but like I, uh, I, I like their presence. For me, the interest is like that idea of like all the lucha stuff, like the the flippy stuff. Let's say the more acrobatic stuff. I get the conversation online that's like it's not convincing as a fight, but I'm not. I'm personally not bothered about that. Like I'm there for the showmanship side of it. I mm-hmm. like that you can do all the flair. Like um, when Vikingo does that insane like version of a hurricane runner where he does an extra flip before he connects with yeah. it or whatever um, those extra bits of flair are kind of what I'm there for so putting that up against BCC um, it's just a great styles clash like I like that there stuff a lot there was one in the uh, dive to the floor I think it was Star Junior mm. did like three sideways roll yeah. in that tiny gap that he's got and yeah, think, yeah. hang on in a film, I would be assuming somebody's making time stance and not if you'd have the time mm. to even do those rotations. Like sideways <laughs> corkscrew motion. These, well, it's like for these me, impossible like, feats, aren't they? You know? Yeah, and it's like for me, like I, I don't know enough about how a match is constructed on the fly. Like sometimes you can see people talking to each other. Obviously, there's certain spots backstage I assume that get planned out. Whatever. I don't know everything about the inner workings of that. And when you do matches like this, it blows my mind even more because yeah. I have to imagine that people like uh, Mox, um, you know, and Claudio and Danielson aren't that au fair with, you know full on the absolute best of the Lucha Libre style or that style of wrestling so it's even more impressive when they pull off all these different things and there was one botch where one of the dudes like put his leg through the rope or something when yeah. it was Mox and Danielson together but overall no I loved it and like yeah setting stuff up going forward I love the whole let's challenge the world thing like Danielson just said that coming out of the Sabre Junior match mm-hmm. about um, they want to have like a third match but it'll be somewhere else probably Wembley yeah. but I like the idea of invoking the world of wrestling like the more you remind me that things exist outside of WWE the more that's better for the medium of wrestling to me the art of it 
it. Mm. Like, I'm there for anyone. You tell me someone's great and they're from anywhere in the world, I want to see them, like, cool. Yeah. And if you can give them on, like, a certain platform, then to me that's what AW represents overall. So, like, WWE can do the, in gaming it would be AAA, like the big AAA production stuff, the mm. huge, the Red Dead Redemptions. But then I want the sea of everything else that is quality as well. So I'm game for it. What do you make of FTR not only answering the challenge here, mm. but presumably being kept separate now from Mark Briscoe? AEW had gone to uh, the trouble of kind of like arranging them as uh, a unit for the benefit of the House of Black program. Mm. Of course, Mark Briscoe was integral to the, the finish of the cage match and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Briscoe now remains in a story with the House of Black, but if you look in the rankings, he's in a trio, not with FTR, <laughs> but with the Hardy Boys. Oh, God. Uh, I know. Oh, um, God, yeah, they had that thing where he put the neck does did, did that happen? Did I dream that? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. So, whilst it felt like, oh, FCR might be going for the trios titles and yeah. be in contention with Briscoe, it looks like they're going to want to stick at these tag belts. Uh, while I think this is probably the only opportunity I'm going to get mm. to, to chat to you on this, at least on microphone. Right. Um, FTR and Mox and Claudio are both in the tag rankings. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, the preeminent threat within those rankings right now are now the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the Rampage <laughs> squash? Uh, yeah, 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 on yeah, those yeah. poor losers. That was awesome. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> as a reintroduction to the Young Bucks and this new character they're playing, and presumably they're going to be multiple sets of jobbers to just cheat their way at the top yeah, to yeah. get their shot of revolution. I want them producing contracts in real time, yeah. or they lose and go, actually, I've just I've just signed this myself oh, and I've done EVP. So. It was lights out, that one. Yeah, yeah like, nice. renaming it the EVP trigger, things like that. Like, I'm, I'm so there for them being the absolute scumbag, like, you know, CEO kind of, like, San Francisco tech a-holes. Like, <laughs> they need, like, a top bun, like a man bun. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just steer into that like you might as well be the thing that all the biggest detractors of aw already keep calling you anyway it feels as well over the like again like ftr and the bcc which is not something i had no like up well, in front of me because of the cmll thing it does sort of feel like from what appears to be quite a limited roster they are trying mm. to really get the tag division going again oh totally and it's like yeah it reminds me of like all this the great stuff that's happening with the women's division it's like yeah. if you have all these great like uh, talents then you might as well put everybody together um i guess yeah like you have the whole thing where bcc's like calling out the world and ftr responds but mm-hmm. i quite like the um the underlying thing of bcc not necessarily treating cmll with the respect that they arguably deserve mm. and then they'll prove them wrong at arena mexico or whatever um i just like everybody mucking in like i like the idea <laughs> of bcc and the cmll team and then you have ftr are, are also there for further down the line. Like, I yeah. don't mind them seeding multiple things as long as it feels purposeful. The um, <laughs> the Briscoe Hardys thing, I forgot that even happened. Like, yeah. I adore Mark Briscoe. He's in my top three. And um, he's so good in solo, st- in their single stuff, that I think you can just have a, a really good solid singles run. And he's just the guy that, he's everyone's friend. If you need a hand, like, he'll drop in. Um, and you could argue that's what the Hardys thing was, as opposed to, like, a long form. Mm. Like, he's not going to win the trios with the Hardys. Let's hope not. Yeah. A lot of that felt like it was a response to, was it Matt Hardy on Twitter a few weeks ago, who was like, oh, we've been booked wrong, and we needed more of a push. Ah, they were trying to seemingly work themselves yeah. into something better than what they were getting. But they got it. Like, it was like, okay, Jeff, you get a bunch of matches, and yeah. then Briscoe's going to do a segment with you, and everyone cheers for you, and whatever. So I, I kind of felt like it was just, that was that. And He, he does done. need help. I mean, we'll get to this later. Mm. He does need help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think there's more interesting avenues than, than Matt and Jeff. But oh, by well, far, uh, like it's uh, that's yeah, that's the the Hardy stuff. As much as I loved them back in the day, it, no, I'm all right. No. But um, but yeah, that whole thing of just sort of invoking, like you know, making sure there's a fire under the tag division again. Mm. I, 
I feel like, like I said at the, the beginning, like for me, the Ricky Big Bill stuff took that fire away. Okay. They were fun to watch. They were like, they're solid, whatever else. But like, it's not FTR as champs. It's not the Bucks as champs. It's not House of Black when they were the trios champs. Like mm-hmm. there was a feeling to the divisions when they were at the top of them. And that comes back to my, like my who's the champ thing. Yeah. Where like, I just didn't care about the tag division when Big Bill and Ricky were champs. Cause I just had to wait an arbitrary amount of weeks for them to lose it. So right, someone who's okay, actually a yeah. better fit can be an actual tag team. Right. Oh, fair enough. Arguably. I mean, like, but what a way to go out. Like, oh, yeah, they, totally. They, it was like they proved themselves perfect for the spot that they filled on Wednesday's Dynamite, mm. especially Big Bill. Yeah. Like, really made the most of the sort of, they call it maximizing your minutes. It's an old Jim Rossism. Right. But, like, particularly on the catch of Derby and at the Boss Man. Oh, slam, dude, yeah, yeah. Things yeah. that you're going to be left with, like, actual memories of matches when there's so many matches mm. now. Oh, um, not knocking yeah, not knocking Big Bill at all. Like he's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I really want him to channel more of like the dude he seems to be in real life, where he talks about how much he's been through and like yeah, yeah. I think it's alcoholism that he went through quite yeah, a lot. Did, yeah. And I was like, do that. Be the like you don't need to be a gentle giant necessarily, but like you have that strength to your character as opposed to the big dude who does a weird dance every now and then. <laughs> where I'm just like, what are you? What are you going for? Like you kind of do you want to be? Do you want to be goofy? Do you want to be Wardlow? Like what do you want to be? Um, I think there's way more to him as a as a human, and like mm. I'm just I want to see him fleshed out more. Um, but I guess we'll see. You might get your wish. Come and see. Hopefully. Now, now they're, they're done and dusted. Call them big business. Speaking of uh, somebody getting fleshed out, mm. Daniel Garcia. Has what had a, a dude. good 2024 so far. He was uh, in action against uh, Shane Taylor here. Mm. Uh, we had Matt Menard out as always now. as like kind of like the head cheerleader for Daniel Garcia. And that, it's weird. For two people that are roughly the same age, he does come across like uh, a father figure. Well, to, they've, they've steered right into it where he was like, yeah. I love you like a son or That's whatever. That's it, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the basic story of this match was um, Daniel Garcia trying to. Uh, um, just out-wrestle and outwork uh, Shane Taylor by targeting the leg. Mm. But Shane Taylor constantly having too much power, too much strength to be able to uh, to sort of get in the way of Garcia being able to do his usual, almost like crab-like submission offense. And a uh, little bit of uh, chicanery as well. The referee was trying to like break them up in the ropes and Shane Taylor took a nasty strike and took advantage through that. Garcia again keeps going for the single leg, trying mm-hmm. to bring Taylor down. Um Eventually, like Taylor just powers down Garcia, has the heat for a little while. Uh, Garcia moves out of the way like that apron leg drop uh, Mm -hmm. that Taylor does and uh, dodges. I think it was like a corner charge and he's firing back with a bunch of punches. He's doing the sort of proper baby face comeback stuff. This time he's attacking the leg, attacking the leg, attacking the leg. Mm -hmm. Um, He uh, he eventually uh, nails a couple of drop kicks on the leg. Um, Taylor fires back with uh, a pop-up powerbomb, gets a good near fall off that. Um, The leg gives way. Uh, when he goes for the Marcus Garvey driver, um, Garcia manages to escape that. Taylor backdrops um, Garcia out of, uh, like, counter from a pile driver, mm. uh, and Garcia clings onto the leg for dear life, uh, gets a submission victory over Shane Taylor. And, yeah, his momentum continues to trend broadly upwards. Obviously, a key figure in the FTR House mm. of Black story. Everything's... Oh, do you think so? Well, I'd like, I'd, I sort of felt everything post-CC for him right. has been him finding himself and it leads to situations like this mm. where he's back in a singles match that he's got the confidence to win again because mm-hmm. he's been uh, he's had the belief sort of instilled in him you know the dance yeah. is still a part of his act but not the part of his act anymore no. and it's like he doesn't I think both AEW and Garcia are trying to judge where exactly to um, where, like when and where to shake all of this off because it's almost like it's really over mm-hmm. so if you get rid of it you're stripping somebody of something that is now an asset, mm-hmm. but it's also representative of 
maybe his worst time under Chris Jericho's wing. That's and the it, main it's, thing. It's juggling. It's like spinning both those plates at the same time. And I think it's the most effective they've been at that in yeah. 2024. I think it has to feel like it's his choice to keep doing it. If it felt, if it was something that him and Jericho used to do, and then he's still doing it now, it would feel too forced and like yeah. this weird hangover. So much of Garcia's current momentum to me is is coming out of the shadow of Jericho being stuck in the depreciation society. How long that stuff went on with him and Sammy? They couldn't decide how they were going to look. He, mm. Sammy bought him some leather pants, and it was a whole thing. Like, but now Garcia, like he took down uh, was against Brody, and then like this match was phenomenal. I just love, and he beat Danielson. Like, there's so many yeah. cool, awesome wins there. I used to always think that his like aggressive side I didn't work for me sometimes you know this is the red death it's just like you know when um, (laughs) I see those costumes where someone wears like a baby head that looks like it's yelling (laughs) and it's (laughs) It was like a time that he's like in a drink. But like Garcia's yell face looks like an angry baby because there's no teeth there. <laughs> and he just looks like it's all gum. And like I remember when he was trying to be You're ruining Daniel Garcia for so many I love that. I, I like absolutely this. adore I like the this. dude. But like Because I when, can totally visualize that. Yeah, yeah. Like, when he's in agony. And yes. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he certainly does it when he's in submissions. Like he's, he's put the submission on. He'll do the whole like, the, the mm-hmm. thing. And it's great. And I want the aggression there. And I do believe that he is this really visceral technical wrestler. Like I said, it came out when he was against Danielson. Um, but for whatever reason, like now he feels like more of a complete package whereas before it felt like those little bits of the anger the real wrestling quote unquote was right next to the sports entertainer stuff he was navigating the Jericho stuff lord knows how backstage to be like I want to do more matches want to do more stuff bits of that came through in the backstage things but I love where he's at now yeah. and I quite like the thing you just said about like how much of the quote unquote sports entertainer stuff do they take it's like well that's still fun you can have both yeah. sides like why not have a fun dance that's like this ridiculous over the top thing I love his dance is the same as the way Nana treats it where it's like a power up or it's yeah. like and he just sort of does it like there was a bit when he was against was it him against Sabre Jr. and Shibata and then um, he was getting hit and he would dance a little bit more and he gets hit and he yes. does like a weaker version of it and it's like that's just fun like that's you might as well I it's agree Orange's pockets like his mm-hmm. dance Nana's dance like Nana revived Swerve with his dance that was it yeah during it's, the week like, it's, it's you only know. an extension of Paul Barrow holding up an urn for the totally that's and all like, I don't I think it's just my general thoughts on wrestling where I'm there for whatever they're putting on and it's yeah. like as long as it feels like it has purpose and conviction if you're committing to a bit yeah. I'm there for it it just needs to not feel Fate, feel forced. Somebody's got to sell you something to want to buy. Yeah. If they're doing it with 100% conviction. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it took me a while to get on board with Nana's stupid dance because I really <laughs> liked Cold Hearted Swerve and I yeah. thought that, that the dance killed it. But I'm, I'm on board with it now, especially when he dances through the frame, the way that they film it sometimes where he yeah. dances around or whatever. Dan- and there's been dances a couple of times where Swerve has gone no. Yeah, exactly. Like, heat, not now. And like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, I, I love where Garcia is at. Like, he is by far, like, he feels where he's at now. I'm like, you could strap a rocket on him and, and take him to the moon kind of thing. More on that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, well, you've yeah. got a bit more. No, well, we'll cut. We'll come back to Danny Garcia okay. later and what he's got next because uh, well, it's. I'm forgetting the order of what this happened in. Well, yeah, no, yeah. There's, a, there's a segment later on that features Danny Garcia that I think is one of the more uh, exciting things that mm. his upcoming opponent has done in AEW thus far. But we go back to Dynamite to see Sting and Darby winning the tag belts, uh, and you see obviously the Young Bucks beat down. And it cuts to Eddie Kingston. Oh yeah, who's appalled with the Young Bucks behaviour, um, and he actually compares. I love this. He compared it to the way in which Brian Danielson has been disrespecting him, <laughs> calling him a bum, flipping him off, like obviously taking the, the last loss between the two particularly hard and not showing what he would consider like respect mm-hmm. within the context of pro wrestling. Um, so he challenges uh, Brian to a match at Revolution for his Continental Crown where Danielson will have to shake his hand if and when he loses. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved bringing together two seemingly disparate acts in the Young Bucks and Brian Danielson mm. through an act like Eddie Kingston who just sees that disrespect as one and the same a bloodying, a brutal <laughs> beatdown of a legend like Sting and 
Brian Danielson refusing to pay respect to anything. Yeah. So I love that he's been able to like sort of mash those two together. And I'm going to hot take it because I didn't like that as much. Oh, okay. I like that he just had an opinion on a general sense of what uh, EVP is supposed to be doing or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he just called it out. It was disgusting. And I was like, oh, Kingston against the box. Kingston versus them on the mic. That's great. And then when he brought it back to Danielson, I was like, oh, but you've got to get through that first, haven't you? And then you can... Well... I'm, I'm, I'm game for it, but... No, still. I was going to ask you what you thought about that. A match basically, <laughs> not just for the Continental Crown, but for Brian's respect. Mm. So the stipulation is, obviously... Uh, the handshake only occurs if Kingston wins, and yes. if Kingston loses, it makes Brian Continental Crown Champion, however they call it that. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that and that match and that story in general, the one they've been telling between the two? I think it's cool. I mean, I, I kind of, to a degree, I kind of wish it had, it would have been cool if they ended it with Kingston winning. Like, like you've you've had him win before. I loved him winning Kingston's, like, like Kingston and Hangman are my top two, and it's like, I just, I love Kingston. Like, it's it's always been since I read that article he did, I forget the name of the website. Players Tribune. Yes, Players yeah, Tribune yeah. piece, mm-hmm. um, about his upbringing and why he got into wrestling, and it just made me cry. I was like, I love this guy. And, uh, and so I'm like, Give him his win and let it be. Let it stay as a win. And if you want to have, if that's a stain on Danielson's career from his point of view, then that can come back up way later mm. because he's got other stuff to get stuck into. Like he was just fighting um, Saber Junior again, yeah. or whatever. So like I, um, I don't, I don't, I would like, I like to have Kingston live with that for a while. That I got one over on you, and and then later on be like, and you couldn't live with it, and you had to come back to yeah. me, um, and and do that as opposed to rolling it again straight away. It's kind of like the Swerve uh, Hangman thing, mm. where Swerve was like, I'm done fighting Hangman, and then he immediately got put back into it again because it's like you can almost see. Khan going like, well, I wasn't done with this yet, so yeah. I need a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like their feud. I think they have really good chemistry together. Um, I'm just a bit here and there on, I think Danielson's a phenomenal heel, um, but the whole, like, I'm spitting on you and you're a bum and, and whatever, and then, I don't know, I feel it feels done. Like, it's just going to do that again, mm-hmm. and then it'll be, oh, well, whether he shakes his hand, then I'm like, I don't know, man. Kingston's already beaten him. Like, That's I, fair enough, I love yeah. both sides of it, no, but I don't I know. That. People you know, are- Projecting this as a dream match, but mm. I think it's important to sort of... It's like a dream match again. Well, this is it. Like, it's not the first time. I personally think they're... I can't think of one of their more recent... They had two matches in the Continental Classic, mm. neither of which were on par with the original, like, awesome Rampage match they had going way back to 2021. That was the match, I think, between the two of them mm. thus far. So they're chasing that, for me, in terms of quality. Mm. I like it one more time, but I think otherwise I'm with you. I, I think, think as well... Like, get I... this done. Yeah, like I, I'm interested in the stakes, but you sort of feel like Kingston almost has to win to tie a bow around. Well, that's my thing is yeah. that I always feel it with the BCC. I get a bit bored with how, it's not it, Danielson. I don't mind winning as much. I love Danielson. You're in company, by the way. I'm absolutely sick of this group. Right, like, right. I it's am just like sick. Like they always win. Yeah, like, there's no like. There feels like so little compromise. Like we're hard lads. Like that's <laughs> that's ultimately the gist. Like every promo is the same. Like as much as I love Marks, like he's a great dude. Like in in real life or whatever. Like it's took the back inflexible for me these days. Yeah. And I, I, you, you can't do that forever. And it's right? that it's that part of me where I'm looking forward to a match, but I'm like, ah, he'll probably win it just yeah. because he has to win it because they have to maintain probably either the ranking side of it or just the amount of wins that someone like Danielson needs to have. Um, and like I said, the actual emotional stakes of it were in the Continental Classic. Like I've mentioned before about the Undisputed Kingdom feeling like a pivot point. The Continental mm. Classic was another one where it was, and can't even say, we're going to do more things like that. Like a reminder of what great... Because I loved all those backstage segments after each match. Like I would actively go and find them after yeah, each match, check the, in with each yes. person. Like, for all the weeks that that happened, that was a phenomenal way to do a, a tournament. Like, you almost, and they did string it together on the YouTube channel. Like, that's a mini movie. That's a tournament movie. Yeah. And you put it all together. Like, that was so good and such a great payoff. And the underdog won. And just, and it's done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then you don't need to have another one where Danielson wins. And because I, I think as well, I th- I'm going on, but I think about, like, Kingston's long-term thing where he always needs something to fight for. And, like, he got the belts. Now what? And it's like, well, I guess you need to kick him back down again so his character has something else to fight for. And I'm like, I just wanted him to win and stay one for a bit. It's it's a, you know, we talk about it sometimes. It's ultimately like 
wrestling's potential biggest strength is often his biggest weakness, which mm. is the fact that like you can deliver these things like almost like a sporting adjacent triumph mm-hmm. of your team winning the big one. Like we're recovering, we're recording this in the shadow of the Super Bowl. Yes, now there'll be no football for a bit, and like football fans get to like have the Super Bowl, the big mm-hmm. moment, and then it's gone again. Not in wrestling, like you have your big <laughs> moment, and then it's on the TV on Monday, it's on the TV on Wednesday. Yeah. It's just like the story continues, and as you say, you can't. You probably should, but you can't have season finales the way you would quite like. Eddie Kingston's draped in gold right now, and then it's, well, where now? Losing the belts that you yeah. won. It's, it's almost like, yeah, it's a hard thing to navigate sometimes, that. Because I, I, I did like, uh, during the Continental Classic, you had the stuff with Kingston where he was like, you know, I'm going to lose in honour. Like, I'm not going to give in to my anger. Yeah. I'm not going to go back to drinking. Like, I am going to be a, a better person. And like, and then he won. And it's like, what's it like being a being that kind of champ and that responsibility? And, um, and then kind of, you can almost say it's one of his vices, saying like, no, at some point I actually do need you to respect me. And it's like, but he shouldn't need it because he has already achieved it. And then you could... He, well, that's his flaw as a person. Yeah, he could he's, say he's that that's... always going to have that. Yeah, yeah he's going to... Um, you know, focus on the demons, and it's like there, there's a great, there's great thematics there. There's things you can do uh, with that. It's not that I don't care at all. I just really, I just want Kingston to win. I just, <laughs> I just love him. And like, like I said, he's already won. I was so elated when he won the Continental Classic, even though the way he won was terrible. But whatever. Um, I just want that feeling again of terms yeah. of like, give him his flowers and let him keep them for a while. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I love Danielson as well, so I can't really go wrong. Um, I have no segue into Brian Cage <laughs> destroying the Outrunners. Yes. Uh, was next. Um, but uh, he absolutely battered them. Um, a, to- <laughs> a total squash. And then uh, there was a mascot out uh, that great. started doing like the Prince uh, Nana, Nana dance, dance, which was great. Uh, Cage battered him as well. Hook makes a save. Uh, obviously, they've been doing this ongoing thing between Hook and Brian Huge Cage. Huge fan of that. Something's got to give there. I think that's maybe Revolution or Revolution pre-show. Mm. Possibly uh, Brian Cage wanting to regain the FTW title, mm. so they might put that one in there. Uh, any thoughts on any of this particularly? I love me some Hook, man. I think that um, Hooks for me was so underused for so long, and then I absolutely adored the the sort of the way they nego- the way they navigated the build to the Samoa Joe match really worked in his favor, where like they were able to take that "Who the hell is this guy?" energy on the in the wider mm. online discourse stuff. Like, why does this guy get a title shot? Khan's weighing in. He's like, well, you know, he won all these matches yeah. and everything else. And then that match was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And Hook's form is arguably, at least to my eyes, some of the best form in wrestling. Yeah. Like, he's so solid. Like, his fundamentals are. So so solid that like you put him up against it. I want him to be the giant slayer. I want him to take down these mm. huge guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think someone like Brian Cage or uh, you put him up against Shane Taylor, whoever it is, like the biggest dudes on the roster. Um, I'm all for that because I think he comes across like he has this toolkit of moves and he'll yeah. he'll pick you apart and like just that really good. I'm from the streets. I'm eating my pizza. I'm on I'm on, on New York streets kind of thing. But I've got the fight in me and I've actually learned all these skills. Yeah. Like I want that pitted against the biggest toughest dudes that in theory would just squash him, but he picks them apart like. I just, I, he's like a more forward-facing Gossier. But like, Gossier Cage goes for the like leg. Big bumping yeah. guy for it as well. So yeah. they've got like, and they can play on Team Tazlaw about how Hook knows more, <laughs> of, Bri- more of Brian Cage's weaknesses than right, like right. other people will and stuff like that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with I you. I like Hook a lot. So, I'm, yeah. I'm, with, I'm totally with you. I'm the Hook this. bat symbol's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what, like, what is that? I, this, it's one of those things as well where like wrestling, it's, it's wrestling. Should be perfect. Right. Because it's, we just described it with Eddie Kingston. A man battling his own demons to get to the top and then realizing when he's at the top, I've still got my demons. Yes. And then living with that. And the son of a suplex machine with a bat signal. And the two <laughs> things can exist, like can coexist with yeah. one another in the same narrative setting, fundamentally. Yeah. Like, you know, with a little tweak here and there. It's, it should always be perfect. Well, there, is, the- there, aren't, there, there aren't many versions that, like, 
of like media or television. We had this with WrestleMania last week where basically they just obviously tore up one plan, did another, and then presented it in such a way where like, right, now we need to work backwards and come up with that. Mm. You couldn't do that in the film. You would just watch a finished version of the film True. that wasn't what you wanted, and then after the fact, you read about some sort of dissent on set between director <laughs> and, and somebody. Unless like, it happened to the trailer or something, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, it never got out quite as we wanted. Mm-hmm. Not in wrestling. It happens in front of a live crowd. They go, oh, yes, no, there are pivots, there are changes, there are, like, stories being told mm-hmm. with loads of different ways to do it. It should be... Per- and I, I know I've gone off on the hook-bat signal there, but that's the point. <laughs> no, but that's perfect, like, Not every wrestler can have a bat signal. But not every wrestler is Hook, so Hook gets a bat signal and on that. Yeah, and like for me, like I love the Undisputed Kingdom's reveal because I, I love the way they shot it. I love Cole with his hair, like the proper evil villain reveal. Like, yeah. I love anime, I love video games. Give me a bit. And wrestling can be that big, dumb, fun anime energy as well. And so like, I like that stuff. If you had, and maybe it's because my, you know, some of my memories are from the Attitude Era, are from the old stuff. I don't mind someone struggling and reaching out and hitting a button that launches the bat signal and the commentator's like, they just, it's the Hook symbol. <laughs> and then he comes out, like you, you can do all that for me like yeah. that's all fine that's that can go right alongside danielson and saber jr slapping each other for real mm-hmm. or whatever like it's to me it's wrestling as a medium it's the whole breadth of it and it's like it's not just the piece at the end of one side of the spectrum that is wwe or sports entertainment it's to me it's the whole thing yeah and i'll take whatever as long as they believe in the execution i'm there for the whole thing totally so agree. yeah Undisputed Kingdom, you mentioned them. Big fan. Uh, Roderick Strong is trying to butter up Tommy Rishii and talking about, oh, maybe we'll fight for the title if he beats yes. Orange Cassidy tonight. Can I ask you where you're at on him yelling names at this point? I don't hate it as much as everybody. I'm into but, it now. But I get like, a lot, of people, a lot of people really dislike it because they see it as a feature of the old strong character when they were hiding that yes. they were all, you know, um, a group together. So I get that. Mm. Um, but I th- I'd probably compare it to what we were talking about before with the dance, the Danny Garcia dance, <laughs> just on a lesser scale. Like, it got over. The thing so, is, like, like, I yeah, I hated it when he was just yelling Adam over mm. and over again. But if you do it with <laughs> names that don't need to be separated, like Ishii yeah. um, or whatever, I, as you know, that, that started to work for me now. It's, uh, it's better. I think most people... And I like this about having you on this podcast, Scott. Most people consider the op- the exact opposite to be true, right. which is that as much as they didn't like it, it only made sense with Adam Cole because then he was portraying the oh, okay. injured character and now all is well and he's kicking ass. And yeah. It's like, oh, you can't be that. But uh, it's, sometimes it pops me. It's, it's it's almost name dependent. You know, yeah, the, like yeah. the first time he did it to somebody else that wasn't Adam Cole, I was like, that's pretty good. That was it. my thing because I was like, okay, this is your thing now as people, opposed to just one bit. A lot bit. of people want it dropped. Um, <laughs> and he wanted nothing to do with the Undisputed Kingdom. I, 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 I was waiting for him to do what Takeshi used to do like say a whole bunch of slurs in Japanese and then we'll translate <laughs> it later because yeah. he just just stared a hole right through and then didn't say anything no he's too hard for any of that nonsense yeah. uh, Adam Copeland's out next yes. and this is where we'll get back to uh, a moment we were talking about earlier on so he comes out and um, he says how uh, well, Tony Schiavone is with him and he says oh like Swerve and Hangman have got the title shot mm. uh, for Revolution but you're doing very well in the rankings yourself um, you know and it's obviously to tee up Adam Copeland talking about what exactly he wants to do with that rankings mm. position which as we know is get another shot at Christian Cage but he does also point out and I quite like this he points out that he wasn't there at Dynamite on Wednesday but if he was mm. he would have made the save for Sting and Darby Allen uh, nice to sort of Leave a little thing in there. You know, that one, one of these days, the receipt's coming for your young bucks. Yeah. And it's yeah. cool to have such an awesome tag specialist like uh, Adam Copeland. Mm-hmm. You know, like way, way, way down the road, if like Copeland and Christian Cage ever get back together. That makes sense. Edging Christian in the Young Bucks is, a, is an absolute generational dream match to book <laughs> at, at least once, you know? Yeah, you got to um, do it. I've seen the freaking heart. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Bodies versus them enough, so I'd like a different flavour of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he's, you know, so I'll say I remember that young books and moves on back to Christian Cage. But he's interrupted by Daniel Garcia, fresh off his win earlier on in the night. Mm-hmm. Garcia flags up. Well, uh, cool your jets there. We're both doing pretty well. We're both doing all right in the rankings. I've been kind of kicking the patriarchy's ass as well. Uh-huh. Um, and ultimately, all of this leads to a match on Dynamite between the two, mm-hmm. where, and this is interesting, Copeland laid out that the winner gets... Christian Cage. Yes. Uh, obviously, that's him kind of just making assumptions of the way the ranking. I love are, all that stuff with wrestling, yeah, and yeah. you can, you know, you Tony Khan's just told us that uh, actually that can't happen. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then they do the handshake at the end, and Copeland pulls him in for the quite serious. Oh, I'm going to knock the fucking head off that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, Copeland and Garcia. This to me is um, why you sign an Adam Copeland. I. It's. AW do not need to sign any more wrestlers. That much is abundantly <laughs> clear. But when you like, and we said this all the time, back like when they were in the mid-signing sprees, it was like, ah, oh, the roster's full. Mm. And then a name would become available, and like, ah, oh, but they kind of have to bring that person in, you know? It's not the case in the women's division. Bring as many in as you oh, want. Yeah, certainly yeah. the men's division, overstuffed, overstacked, and not everybody gets enough time. Mm-hmm. But in Adam Copeland's case, it was very, very situational. I want Adam Copeland, when I'm watching him do something interesting and new that gives him a reason to be in AW. Oh, okay. And I think the Cope Open has been that. Yes. I like and understand why... The Christian Cage program was almost a necessity. Mm. People, you won it. The match, 
that they had at the last uh, was it a World's End? Yes, where like he wins a title and leaves the strip. Fantastic, like mm. two old pros showing the kids how it's done. That yes. kind of thing, you know, like just in terms of structure and arrangement of when to do things. But ultimately, I would rather rather than seeing that, I would rather see. Adam Copeland versus that guy, or Adam Copeland versus this guy. And Daniel Garcia is, for me, like a perfect example of yeah. why you bring him in, why you bring in Adam Copeland at all. Somebody brand new, somebody really young, somebody that, like, if he beats Adam Copeland, gets a big rub off that, gets to say, I'll beat that guy. And that's why I'm ready to win a singles title. I would much rather have that than Copeland Christian. Like I like that World's End match that you mentioned. I think I'm good. Uh, we have to have one more to finish this, right. this story. But I'm good with them parting ways after. I feel like it's weird because I'm like I don't know. For me, if they left it, like if it was if Copeland's like actually I'm I'm done. Like I know he's yeah. been doing it for weeks, but it's for me it's so tagged on. Like there was that whole thing where Christian got the belt back straight away mm-hmm. and whatever. And I was like, oh my god, we're dragging this out. Like because they had the back and forth so much. They had the go f yourself, and then they had the like, bit where yeah, I like this. Scott. I'm, I'm sensing a theme that you're not really like a legacy rivals guy. You're like had it. There's enough wrestlers. Can you do something? It else just depends now? how you do it. Like yeah. if, you, if you set up, if you tell, if you're telling me like a three act structure, you tell me something where it's building to a climax. You do the climax. And then at the very last minute, you pull it back so you can do it again. That's not that much different to like a, a movie, you know, in production, cutting off the last scene so you can do the sequel or whatever. And I, yeah. get the, I get the business reasons for it. But you had all that back and forth with Copeland and Christian. Like I said, the, the, the dual hugs. Christian had a big drive and decided he didn't want to be a heel anymore, but then he did anyway. Yeah. And then like they had all the stuff with um, that dude whose mum, what's he called? The Nick people? Wayne. Nick Wayne. Uh, all that stuff. And Nick Wayne's mom. Nick Wayne's mom. And like all that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> whatever, man. Like the, the guts of it were Copeland Christian. You were leading with that for weeks and I thought we were going to pay that off so and then I feel like every time Cope comes out and in real life when he was at the press scrum you had him saying like I just love being here I love mm. how much talent is here and like you know him going a spotlight in Griff Garrison wasn't something any of us had on our no. cards but that's great like you're a veteran talent highlights and people you might, might lose awesome. here as well well like, that's the thing this creates the delay for the cage match is yeah. that you've got Garcia just getting the better of him yeah or like maybe Christian not interfering to help Garcia but more to stop like he sends kill switch out there or mm. something to stop Adam Copeland winning because mm-hmm. he knows that what he's the, on his tail. And- what the hell's going? Sorry, what the hell's going on with Kill Switch Luchasaurus? What's that? They keep teasing he's going to step. He's going three times. They've had him go get in the way of Christian. Be like, oh no, I'm actually going to well, whatever. That, then he just goes along with it anyway. Well, that basically it's, it's old heel shtick. It's old heel shtick, um, which Christian pull, I think pulls off very well. You might disagree. Christian's a phenomenal heel. But this idea that he's never basically the man holds the TNT Championship, having never really won it at yeah, all. Like yeah, he, he walked around with it for so long. If you remember, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Soros won it on the inaugural edition of Collision, and then yes. Christian just held it aloft as if it was his. Oh, totally. Then he got the belt, and obviously, what happened at World's End happened. So he's this Killswitch is an uncrowned champion that will mm. one day. It's um, to lean on your sort of attitude era uh-huh. fandom. It's X Pac and Kane. Right, <laughs> like one of these days, like uh, like X Pot convinced Kane to find his heart. Yeah, and Kane yeah. had to turn on the corporation to save X Pot. You remember all that? <laughs> that like, and then Kane like, don't speak with your voice box. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, like like, there's... The, like the monster within uh, that has been like sort of had his thumb put on him by Christian Cage. Mm-hmm. Like Copeland is gonna remind Luchasaurus who mm. he is and one of these days the, the dinosaur is going to snap we, on Christian but we talked about this last year where it's like you, you do one scene like the Luchasaurus gets in, gets in the way of Christian at one point at some point in the year and then and then, and then then someone like me looks at that and goes oh something's happening with this next yeah. week let me see what's happening then they come out as normal and then weeks pass and months pass it's all normal and then seven months later he finally turns <laughs> on him and he goes oh that's been building for seven months yeah. no 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 it hasn't that's been building for one scene seven months ago that you finally paid off like that's that's yeah. my read uh, on that's that because you've got 40 guys on the roster 
roster. No, totally. Makes, yeah, that, that's it. But like, don't do the little teases yeah. if you're not actually following through on it. At least that's to me. But I get that like some of it is medium specific. It's wrestling specific. It's not going to be movie, TV, video game, anime storytelling. It is wrestling storytelling. That's fine. Um, but yeah, the, the Christian Cage Copeland thing, I'm just a bit done with it because I feel like Copeland is so happy spotlighting other talent and the Garcia match is so genuinely exciting that I want that and we're going to get that. But I, but he always feels like he comes out, does his speech and then goes, but I'll tell you what this really reminds me of, Christian Cage. <laughs> and I'm always like, no, it doesn't. You just want to fight Griff Garrison and the younger talent, the people you weren't allowed to before in WWE or whatever. Yeah. And I love that side of you that I want you to harness that. And then you can be the veteran who spotlights and champions people and like and do matches against Garcia. You don't need it to be the wider context of Christian. Mm. Just be this veteran who is hungry to test the, the roster. That's what Danielson did. Yeah. He was like, I'm here to kick everyone's teeth in and fight me. Mm-hmm. And that was great. And I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I want that stuff to be tied off. Either make Cope the champ or give it to Garcia. The roster is the the cause of and solution to all of AEW's problems because <laughs> you don't get an Adam Copeland versus Donna Garcia without the kind of diversity of old and young and veterans mm. and ex-WWE and people off the Indies. You just don't get a match like that True. Uh, without this kind of philosophy in terms of the people you bring in. Mm. However, it does mean that it's so bloated and overstuffed that barriers inadvertently get formed and your point there about how like there'll be a clip and of course this took place six months ago and like so little happened over those six yeah. months but they just say it happened six months ago and yeah <laughs> uh, plus like just to, just to tag it on like you've got Garcia's really good character work where he's like I build up loads and I lose the big one which mm-hmm. was the heart of his and Daddy yes. Magic stuff yeah. during the Continental Classic I really want the payoff to that like you've the, built that and this that feels really like well. the big one right yeah. Like, this is, yeah and it's like as opposed to the arguable business sense reality big business of putting Cope versus Christian again. Yep. Like that that's that's your Rock Reigns match. And I don't necessarily want that. <laughs> I want the other one. I think uh, I think I don't know. I'm interested. I think Garcia might nick it on Wednesday. I'd love that. We will see. Mm. Um Brody King and Mark Briscoe next. Oh. Uh, oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful indeed, yeah. So basically the story with this one, Brody King's a monster, and obviously coming off the back of the House of Black, losing the feud ultimately to FTR Danny Garcia with the help of Mark Briscoe. They've um they put a curse on Malachi Black the other week, put a curse on uh, Mark Briscoe by turning the lights <laughs> off. Got well, House of Black's a game of two halves for me, Scott, because mm-hmm. they put a curse on him by turning the lights out when absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> Rubbish. They send Brody King out to kick ass and stuff happens because that's how wrestling works. Like, yeah. I, I, it's very much split in half and this is the side. Brody King and Julie Hart, mm-hmm. side of the House of Black, I like because you get an absolute kick in and a massive great big dagger <laughs> nail thing that Julie Hart brings out at the yes. end versus ooh, spooky light show. Oh, I'm there for all of it. I think, which is, I think a lot of people are. <laughs> I think a lot of people are. So yeah, here, um, aye. Brody King just absolutely wipes the ring with Mark Briscoe, but every now and then Mark Briscoe tries um, to use weapons He's so good, man. Just legally within the rules. So, like, he slid a chair in so he could springboard off it. He set a table up and then couldn't use mm. it. And then they're going back and forth. And it's just Mark Briscoe trying to, like, basically get out of this match with his career still intact, pretty much, <laughs> if Brody King doesn't dismantle him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point at which uh, Mark Briscoe goes for a crossbody. Uh, Brody King catches him and then, like, slams him into one of the chairs that mm. was left at ringside. Um, he nails him with a boss man slam to get a near fall. Uh, Mark Briscoe's fighting back. He's uh, he, He's got like all of this like really fan-centric offense. So he throws him into the corner for the punches and people are counting along with 10. Mm-hmm. He's trying, like he's going for like, um, there's like a corkscrew moonsault he hits and there's all this sort of stuff that like the people, you've said it yourself already on this podcast, he's just the easiest man he's to get so, behind. He's just so good. A, a top baby face world champion in waiting, I don't think is out of the question. I'd love that. Uh, for Mark Briscoe. But here, it's obviously this mountain that almost nobody can climb. Mm-hmm. In Brody King, so Brody King keeps cutting him off and uh, eventually nails him with a rolling Death Valley driver. 
Julia Hart runs distraction when Mark Briscoe goes up for the Froggy Bow, mm-hmm. um, which puts King back in control, and then he shoves him into the, uh, through the table on the floor so people get the table spot from earlier on that they were craving as soon mm. as that thing was set up. That's wrestling fans. It's like, <laughs> I love that? the whole thing of like, if you go through a table, it's just fine. Yeah, when's it's... that coming back? You know, <laughs> yeah. Because it looks like a man has fallen rather than the table itself has been used as a weapon. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he gets the Gonzo bomb and gets the win. After the match, Julia Hart pulls out this like massive big spike, Jabs, he just um, full-on stabs him, man. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, just stabs <laughs> Mark Briscoe in order to, obviously, draw blood from Mark Briscoe, which then Brody King uh, smears, saying uh, the house always wins. Mm-hmm. So the Mark Briscoe's been put in his place here. We kind of touched upon this earlier on. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it might be the Hardys as his friends, but... I'd forgot that even was a thing. I only... I just want Briscoe to fight. Like, I, I love Briscoe so much. Like, I mentioned his form before. But yeah, when he, when he rolled out of that Death Valley driver, yeah. I was like, you're so good at this. There is post-Continental Classic stuff going on with Briscoe. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have to be Matt and Jeff. Could it be Jay and Jeff? Jay Lethal and, yeah, like, he, they were doing yeah. the story where Jay Lethal was trying to find himself again through losing and losing and losing. That's a good point. And him and Mark Briscoe, of course, you remember the tribute match on the Jay Briscoe mm-hmm. um, Memorial Dynamite. There's a, there's a bond and a kinship between the two. Mm-hmm. And obviously Jeff Jarrett is this absolute snake in the grass, but He's maybe just disappeared for weeks as well. And, uh, well, he got too over, Scott. That's the point. <laughs> Other people were noticing that he was too big a star. you got to hold him back at some point. This is it. you got to save your big ones. They're going to need someone to compete. Uh, like if there's a collision on Saturday of night one of WrestleMania, you send you Jeff, put Jarrett Jeff Jarrett out, out. to try and like draw some of the audience yeah. away. I mean, make him the next world champion if you're going to do something. I'm glad somebody's finally had a break. <laughs> it's it's got to be done. We'll get um, again. Yeah, the Briscoe stuff, I uh, I forgot about all that wider stuff. I completely forgot about the whole Hardys thing. Like I said, uh, that felt like a business reality of how do we keep you know two of our legacy talents happy. Let's give them some matches um, and give them to Jeff. I just kind of thought of that as just a general, you know, they're just collateral damage for the House of Black being the House of Black. Like, yeah. I guess there is a longer form maybe of story not, to Maybe that. not, though. But yeah, um, but yeah I, I like the House of Black being dominant at AF. Like, I love when they were trios champs and they had those specific house rules matches. Um, like, I like their entrance. Like, I, I'm there for that You like whole... the house rules in general? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I, th- I want them to do way more with it because it was like, oh, um, it was like dealer's choice kind of thing. It was like yeah. someone else picks the rule. But it was a terrible rule. It was like, oh, you can't, like, stand outside the ring for too yeah. long or whatever. It was nothing where I was like, if I'm, if it should have been more like if it was Garcia or someone who's more technically minded or whoever has some sort of um, you know uh, stipulation that says if you do the miss you automatically lose the titles mm. or something I don't know something that fundamentally dismantles what the House of Black need to do if you knock the lights out you can't use your light powers I don't I, know I was whatever I was really hated it right but maybe I'm an old cynic and maybe I've just been like, I've been made a husk by pro wrestling <laughs> my th- my thing was well all right here's my house rule. Uh, when the match starts, you have to lie down for four seconds. <laughs> like they both would have to do that. Yeah, you have to lie down for four seconds, uh-huh. and then I pin you in three, and I win the belt. See, my like, thing is like true, but like you could do something cool with it because they had the light, the, the lights are that weird yeah. fingerprint light mm-hmm. thing. I just like the presentation. They had the silver belts; they changed the look of them. Like yep. it felt so fully formed, and then their reign was so short, in my opinion, and, and so like quite unmemorable other than the aesthetics of it to me. Yeah, the acclaimed matches never really nah, and the acclaimed the just disappeared anyway. Like mm-hmm. the trios division is like what? Like it's not really a thing. Yeah, but uh, sorry, no, but for the House of Black though. So, um, like I said, I like them being this dominant force that is almost hard, impossible to pin down. Um, and they're just in the background of collision all the time. And it's I quite like that they're sort of haunting these shows and they come out and they do horrible things. And, they're a danger, aren't they? Yeah, it's like, yeah. who's going to pr- take them down? And like I, I love all the, they're really well dressed and you've got like, the, all the lore that like Malachi brings into it. And um, I forget the podcast he was on where he was talking about all of his influences from um, like yes. Scandinavian culture and yeah. stuff. I might have got the culture wrong. But either way, he's um, done his research and you can tell. And it's like the, the masks are great. I just, I love the whole presentation of it, and I like that they're not uh, quantified. I like that they're sort of 
like ephemeral almost. And they pop mm. in, they have do horrible wounds, and they leave in a three piece. And I'm like, cool. I'll take the awesome. bro- I'll take the Brody King and Julie Hart element of it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where that's where my interest like peaks with those two. Oh, yeah. I forgot by the way. I think it was earlier. It's it's here in my notes, but I think it was earlier on. And I yes. want to mention Julia Hart because Julia Hart and Sky Blue were basically called mm. out by Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale. Stokely said he, uh, Tony Khan's blocked him, but he's working on getting the match otherwise and see what we can do. So yes. that was, that was I'm on, I want to mention that here because um, I forgot earlier on, and I think it would be, it's a backstage segment, it, like it, the, the tag match will come down mm-hmm. the line, obviously. But uh, this collision, rightfully so, has been getting some praise for the continued um, representation of the women's division, where they've had like two matches on collision more than once now. Um, something Dynamite hasn't managed mm. yet, but it feels like it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it, you alluded to it before about the the roster growth and the improvement of the women's division at large. And we start here, there was uh, two women's matches back to back, and we'll get to why that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Kira Hogan versus Deanna Parazzo. Um, this was sort of a, an extended squash, really, for Deanna yeah. Parazzo. She could have beat Kira Hogan sooner. Uh, it was just a matter of waiting for the right moment to uh, to get the submission when she was kind of in charge throughout. Kira Hogan was trying to counter, mm-hmm. but um, Deanna Parazzo was in virtuoso form, as she would say. Um, eventually, gets her in the Venus de Milo while pulling a brilliant face with the knowledge <laughs> of somebody that knows that her opponent is beat. Yes. So Kira Hogan. Uh, is is stretched and defeated, and then Tony Storm, uh, Timeless Tony Storm is out next. The two pass mm. uh, as Timeless Tony Storm enters. Obviously, they've um, you know they've been close to each other without uh, without hitting one another. Mm. So you had the pull apart a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite, and then after the match on Wednesday's Dynamite, they were in the ring face to face again. So we know that it's the tension is building. But Timeless Tony Storm was out next. She was with Mariah May and Luther against Queen Aminata, mm-hmm. who of course um, faced is Deanna. awesome. She's class. She faced Diana Prazzo the week before. So Tony Storm again to cut to the finish here. She gets the win. She counters um, Aminata going for like a corner hip attack of her mm-hmm. own, and then she hits hers and defeats her with the Storm Zero pulling pile driver. Mm-hmm. But Aminata got a ton in on Tony Storm here. Now, following on from Dynamite, where mm-hmm. Tony Storm was flexing her technical side as if to sort of remind Diana Prazzo, I've got this. I respect you a little bit. And for Diana Prazzo to think, how much of my best friend has been lost to this mm. strange, like, sideways journey her career has taken? <laughs> Storm made much harder work of Queen Amanata than Parazzo did. And I loved mm. the kind of subtle storytelling in that. Like, she beat her, obviously. But, and by the way, what a sort of month this has been for Queen Amanata. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. all-league graphic is coming, and I think there's tremendous momentum behind it. People should, I recommend going and watch her long-form sit-down interview with Renee Paquette, if you've cool. not seen it. That fleshes out the character. Clearly, the promotional machine is behind her. But, yeah, she got over in defeat here because she made Tony Storm's life a lot harder than she was able to make Diana Parazzo's, mm. which at least peppers in the idea that maybe Parazzo's got Storm's number. They've got all this background. They've got all of this sort of history together. Mm-hmm. She knows all of Storm's best offense, and she thinks she's maybe got under the skin of the character. Mm-hmm. To that point, Tony Storm won the match uh, and then announced that on Dynamite she'd be... Uh, oh, sorry, Dynamite. Dynamite. Presenting her next movie, Wet Ink. I have a little prediction. I'll be skipping that. Carry on. Well, Scott. Yeah. Wet Ink. i got a prediction for you. Yeah. I think she's gonna. it's going to be another one of them black and white silent films. I'm going to get your thoughts on time with Stony Storm in a second, but I think you've just given the game away. <laughs> I think it's going to feature her appearing to like put an X oh, through okay. a tattoo, like a new tattoo over the old tattoo, oh, probably. as if to break the bond between the two. I should point out as well, within this match and Diana Parazzo's, they've both been, if you notice, they've both been incorporating ankle based offense into their I didn't but that's great into their matches at some point that's gonna I wonder if like Timeless Tony Storm's gonna apply the ankle lock or like 
the boot's going to come loose. She's going to see the tattoo. It's going <laughs> to like you know. There's going to be that moment of oh god. Yeah, yeah it all like, comes rushing this back. This is who it? I used to be. That sort. Of, I just think after <laughs> like this is what I like about AEW. Genuinely, this is what I like about AEW. Yeah. It's the idea that there's like all these little details, this little bond between the two, and then you can use it in the match for a spot for a moment, just for that like one defining quality mm-hmm. of that match. Um, to but, snap her out of it. But I'm getting the feeling, ignoring all that for a second, because this was kind of my favourite part of the whole show, Scott. I'm getting the feeling that you kind of hate Timeless Tony Storm. What's the I'm just, I'm just sick of it. It's, I just don't care. Right. Like, I would, uh, I was I was up for it when it started to happen and the whole throw the shoe thing and everything. It's just that it's been the same the same gag, the same joke, the same, like, I'm so disconnected, I'm a 1950 star. I get it. Like, I don't know. After a while, I'm just sick of seeing the same segments over and over again. And I think, ultimately, it stems from the fact that I hated that she just got the belt because it, it felt like she got the belt from Sheeta because the bit took off as yeah. opposed to like why why the hell was Sheeta's rain cut so short ah, like, strike him while the iron was hot. yeah and yeah, I just yeah. it just felt like a, like a business move then it was like okay we're gonna do these little silent movies and we're gonna give her all this this time on the mic and all this kind of stuff and I was like yeah I just I just get I get sick of it in any medium where it feels like the the, the, the corporates have said this is good for business mm-hmm. and I just got it was just a bit of hollow for me what do you um, make of Mariah May Phenomenal! I almost swore there. I almost said a different F thing, but she's brilliant. Because <laughs> um, I, I don't know who she is. I think, like I don't know. I hardly knew anybody until they come into AEW. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what her role was. And then it was like that wink, that weird little joke they did where she went into Con's locker, went into Con's room to get mm. something signed, and she came out like, "Oh, he he, I've just done something." And yeah. I was like, "What are you right now?" But then when she got in the ring, she hits really hard. She reminded me of, like yep. Jamie Hayter, and I was like, "This is awesome." Um, yeah, the thing that to me uh, has kind of the paradigm shifted on the women's division is is the literal physicality of it. Mm. Like, Aminata hits really hard. Um, Parazzo hits really hard and has a really good technical side to her. Um, Mariah May hits really hard. It's great. It's such a far cry from... Serena Deeb's just one of the best Deeb's phenomenal. Like, the world, I think. Yeah, and it's like, it's so... It's such a far cry from the way that... And like, bless Anna J, I'm sure she's doing the best she can. The way mm. that she... Her and Ruby Soho, they, they run into things with their arms up, like, oh my God, like, I'll kind of run in and try this thing. It's just not... And to me, it was never an entertaining matchup. Like, yeah. I've, I've never really enjoyed... Um, like a Ruby match or an Anna J match, but I'm loving the stuff that's happened across the last month or so, just because the the sheer physicality is so much stronger. It's so, and you can do softer matches, you can do technical submission wrestling, whatever. But I love how much strength the women's division has in a literal sense, and then it obviously the booking sense as well. So and it's it feels like primed. Like, sorry, it's like primed for like Brit and Hater to come back as yes, well. Yes, it feels like it's got all this momentum, and you're still missing some of the stars that are already there, mm. plus a Mercedes money that will absolutely elevate the whole thing just by her mere presence. Yeah. She'll be folded in probably. It was top. just like the, I, I forget when Soraya came in now, but I feel like that, that whole I'm the revolution. Uh, like that Grand whole th- Slam it was, 2022. 2022, yeah. So like that whole thing was like I'm the revolution, everybody came out, there was this, and like they could have been. I had no frame of reference for Soraya because I wasn't, I'd stopped watching WWE yeah. when she was around. And so like her stuff, f- for me, was like terrible. Like yeah. it just never convinced me, whatever. And um, and it's nothing happened from that. And I hated all the outcast stuff. Like mm. I was glad Tony got away from that. But then you've got all the, they're doing the love triangle thing with Ruby and the, the comb guy. Yeah. Luke or whatever. I, I, <laughs> Angelo Parker, yeah. Like, who cares? And what it's, <laughs> there was that stuff. So I was like, but that felt like a bygone era of what the women's division was for a while, mm. where it was like, it was kind of around Soraya. It was kind of just bits and pieces. We'll see what works. Um, is it a faction that spray paints? Is it like, you know, is it the hater stuff? And she went yeah. away. Whatever. There's so much confidence there now. And it's like, I just want it to be mined and give me more matches and do the Continental Classic with the women. Like, you've got enough. A lot of things they could do with the yeah. women. Like, Blood and Guts hasn't yet been done with I the women. Do that, yeah. Oh, my, that's the thing. When I came in, like, one of the earliest women's matches that I saw um, was that really bloody match with, like, Penelope Ford and Bunny. Yeah. Um, and Anna was in yeah, that. She was awesome. Much, like, yeah. And, like, it's not, yeah, like, before. It's TJ, wasn't it? TJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, Ty Mello. Like, it's not to, like, bury Anna. It's not, I'm not singling out Anna J. No. I just mean, I'm just picking out the specific form that she sometimes does, but she's a bit hesitant sometimes. And 
Jade used to do it too. And um, things like that, where like you know, that bit where she won that match with the Queen Slayer, the Bob Wyatt Queen Slayer. Yeah, yeah. And it's not saying that the only positive is when it gets blood and guts or anything. It's not. But that was such a great visceral visual and moment, and the execution of it was great. And that was then missing for so long in the women's division. I think it's the it's, and this has been a problem in women's wrestling in North America for the longest mm. time. Ultimately. It's that, you know, when you first go into, like, say, like, the working world when you're younger and you need a job to get experience, but you need experience mm. to get a job. Yes. Women encounter that, and it's very unfair that they do. There is just simply not parity. So you oh, yeah. need reps and matches to build up your confidence and your ability and your overness with the crowd. But then to do that, you need to have the matches where maybe you're not at that level. And the two things, what happens is mm. it's typically used as a stick to beat the women with, oh, that segment didn't draw, or that match wasn't what it could have been. Mm. And it's like, well... Ask yourself why that is and how many extra chances do the men get that the women don't. You kind of, you're sent out there and you better shine, otherwise you're disappearing again. No, that's true, and it's yeah. like, it's that thing and it's, that's like a, like an age old problem basically. It's almost impossible to compete with unless you just earnestly attempt parity. WWE uh, does not have that many interest in women's storylines. Right. It simply does not. And it hasn't done, despite Triple H being credited, rightfully so, in my opinion, with like kind of transforming the scene through mm. his NXT product in the mid-2010s. Mm. Uh, his run on the main roster has not generated that at all. But, and it's a very, very loaded but, typically, like, lots of women will feature on the show. Mm. So they feel part of the furniture. So I was going to say, like, yeah. Fans will at least... Sit there, and they might sit there silent, and they might sit there bored, but they are expecting to see those performers. Mm. In AEW, it's bad enough where, like, you named, um, who was it earlier on this very podcast? Uh, it was Adam Copeland. Yes. You say, like, oh, you wrestle somebody, and then that person just goes away again for ages. Like, double that for the women. Mm-hmm. You stand mm-hmm. the chance. Like, Hikaru Shida is that perpetual one that they bring back as, like, a fire escape world champion <laughs> to just hand it off to somebody else when yeah. they're a transitional champion. It's even harder for the women, I think, in this landscape. But it didn't feel like there was a level of respect towards women, like, towards the women, towards the female, re- like, the roster or whatever for no. most of last year. Like, it just didn't feel like they were getting think, the spots. I think it's been a 2019 and onwards. Right, right, yeah, I guess I can only like single out yeah. shorter time periods but as opposed to like the, yeah, the last month or so it, it just feels like there are better Thunder Rosa coming back awesome yeah. like Rosa's phenomenal Rosa's like, feeling stacked isn't it yeah and it's yeah. like it feels strong like I said in every possible sense and I'm looking forward to hate getting mixed into that and like Britt I think is healthy enough but she's waiting a bit to take care of Cole mm-hmm. and it's like it just I'm excited about the women's division whereas like in the the post um, Ruby Soraya stuff it just felt like what have you guys got like yeah. in terms of the matches I'm seeing like I'm just not like loving them I'm not falling in love with the characters I'm not falling in love with any particular moves or finishes or spots or whatever it is as opposed to the last um, month or so like I said Thunder Rosa has been awesome Aminata whatever like it's just it's just been way better yeah and it's like a lot of, I think a lot of that stems from the online criticism of it like it seems like Khan every now and then will directly respond to something online and it's That's, like uh, you know we've often labeled them a listening company it seems to right. be something that was part of their reputation in the early days mm-hmm. and then that if, some people believe that disappeared in 2023. I'm not sure if it's as simple as that, mm. but it certainly felt like it had never been further away from a lot of people's views on what they wanted mm-hmm. out of the AW. So that does feel like it's another element that's returned. Just just bringing in, you know, you, you sign Aminata, or well, you're hopefully going to sign Aminata, but you start yeah. booking Aminata, and then you do bring in Mariah May. Like, it, it was quite quick succession. Thunder Rosa's back, and then yeah. immediately everyone's mingling in. Um, you do the Sky Blue and Julia stuff. Like, you have the Willow and Stat stuff. Everything's active in mm-hmm. a way that it wasn't before. Like, there are multiple storylines being talked about. I quite, I would, like, be up for more, and maybe there's a wrestling historical reason why it doesn't happen more but like you know when there was a couple of more intergender matches where you yeah. had um cole and Britt, and it was like dante martin and sky when they were dating like more of that stuff mm. like I'm, i know i've just said who cares about the i forget his name the cool hand 
Luke Ange. Cool hand and Luke. Based on Cool yeah. and Luke. That Rune and the Ruby yeah. stuff. That could be awesome if you did them as a, as a dual tag mm-hmm. and then you maybe had a dual tag division or something. Like just normalize or thread throughout wrestling overall the women's division so it doesn't have to be singled out as much as like, what's happening with the women's division? It's like, well, what's happening with wrestling overall? Yeah. And we can talk about the superstars uh, as a wrestling team or a WWE team. No, it's, it's again, it's I've always argued against having like a sort of a women's show. Mm. Like exposure is necessary, but almost the, the risk is that you cast them out onto an island and yeah. then it's like, well, just nobody watches at all. Mm-hmm. Because of this predisposed notion a lot of people have that the action simply isn't as good. Mm. And with you, I think ultimately you keep it all together, but exposure is key. And but I really, yeah. representation is key. I yeah, think. and so it's like, and you, obviously you're going to need like certain weight classes, strengths and everything. You're going to need a women's championship. You're going to need, like I would love a women's tag belt and like build mm. that up. You've got Stat and Willow, for example, or Julia yeah. and Sky. Like I feel like that's maybe what they're building to. I wish they had that, but yeah. I wish they'd like axe three men's belts in order to do something. Yeah, you might as well. titles, mm-hmm. but... It's because the men get all of them. Mm-hmm. They've just uh, launched a women's TV title in Ring of Honor, for example. Right. I think. Oh, I saw that. Um, so, like, that's an example where on Ring of Honor, certainly through Athena's reign, they're, like, kind of the biggest storyline they had last mm. year was Athena and Billy Starks. Yes. Um, like, and their ongoing thing. So, like, there is signs of it, but again, when you're kind of marooned out on a product that is, it's a niche within a niche mm. within a niche at this point, it's all the more harder for them to, uh, to break that glass ceiling. Mentioning Athena as well, like, if you bring Hater back, bring Athena back in, you do the Continental Classic, how immediately enthralling is all of that? Totally. Like, Absolutely. oh my God. Like, and it would the, become the talking point across AEW, yeah. and that, it needs that as So well. easy to do, yeah. in theory. It needs, like, WWE have ran two WrestleMania main events with women now, right? And there was once upon a time where that sort of thing was unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on any given year, it could like if the story's hot, mm-hmm. it'll get the spot. And it's but you kinda... do like you know you put. Like, I remember when uh, Deeb did a promo. I forget who she was talking to. It was some dude about, and she was talking about how um, she was like talking about her breast implants and everything from years ago. And she was like, I had to be this type of woman yeah. in the, in the industry. I'm not that anymore. And I was like, there's so much there you can pull from. Yeah. And um, if you're connoting what wrestling was decades ago, or overtime or whatever, and that would if you did the Continental Classic and you had the cutaways to them after each match, before each match, they're so active for that couple month period. Then she can ha- she can do that again about what it means to her to be in the female voices in the room as well yeah yeah like, like crea- just, creatively mm-hmm. like, there's, just there's, do way more of that stuff yeah um in event time already orange Bosh. cassidy uh defending the international title against tomiro ishii mm. um he cassidy started with his typical orange cassidy adjacent offense the hands go in the pocket <laughs> um ishii's having nothing to do with that he hits him full whack with a drop kick but he's still not having it um he gets him, I think, eventually with a shoulder block. But, like, again, Ishii's just, like, kind of not that really phased by Orange Cassidy's offense. Um, he does eventually get him with uh, the Stundog Millionaire, Tornado DDT, and another dive in a DDT. Starts building up a few near falls, but they're just near falls. He's obviously just trying to wear him down and wear him down and wear him down. Um, until Ishii manages to just drill him with his brutal <laughs> shoulder block that sends Cassidy flying. Uh, that allows Ishii to take control, get a couple of near falls of his own. Um that gorgeous uh, delayed suplex that she does um, gets him in near fall. Uh, German suplex and chops follow. Orange Cassidy is trying to fire back. Uh, there's a nice bit where like Ishii's gone for all the chops and Cassidy is seemingly like mimic like mimicking Big Tom <laughs> and like sanding through it. And then he just collapses yeah. to the ground and he looks like he's a beaten man. Uh, referee even has to check on him, but it turns out Orange Cassidy was partially playing possum mm. and he's uh, he's back up to life. He goes for a beach break that gets a fantastic near fall. Not at any point that I think the title was changing hands beforehand. I know what you mean. Kind of got me here. Yeah, on this, especially because he'd had strong obviously interact with Ishii earlier on the night and mm-hmm. it's like well at least they're not disrespecting Ishii as an open challenge no, no. Like, he never wins in AW ever <laughs> but when they sort of drop him in as an open challenger he always feels credible because mm-hmm. he's just that man mm-hmm. um 
Cassidy goes for the orange punch after this, but he, she manages to counter with a suplex, drills him with another lariat, gets another near fall, gets another near fall off, uh, off his like sliding clothesline. He does to like the seated Cassidy. Um, eventually, uh, Cassidy manages to slip out of uh, the brain buster, I think it was, gets the orange punch. This time, Ishii manages to stand up to the orange punch mm-hmm. um, and then uh, goes for like a headbutt, but takes another orange punch. And then Cassidy eventually gets him into a cradle to get the win. Um, the Undisputed Kingdom are out after the match to lay out Orange Cassidy. Cassidy, obviously, to build into Roderick Strong's match with him at Revolution. And then Trent Beretta arrives on the scene, um, obviously wanting to avenge not just what's happening to Orange Cassidy now, but what happened um, to Chuck Taylor on Dynamite yes. um, earlier in the week. But we've got this lingering tension between Trent and Orange Cassidy. A little mm. bit of me thought, is he going to wallop Cassidy yeah. now, or is he going to save it at Revolution, where I think the turn is coming? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's our collision with, for now, best friends slash chaos seeing off the Undisputed Kingdom. Thoughts on the match and indeed the state of the international title and everything else? It was phenomenal. I, uh, I mean, I think I think everybody, I don't know enough about the uh, the IWC, but I think most people are very <laughs> glad to see Roddy doing stuff again. Yeah. Like, uh, he's such a phenomenal wrestler. I always cite the Jericho match when he first came in mm-hmm. um, as one of the best things and he's such a hard hitter. Like, it's, um, I'm looking forward to all that stuff. Like, more Roddy is awesome. Yeah, I love Ishii. Like, he's just got such a great presence. Like, um, it is the Stone Pitbull. Like, yeah. I, I, and I thought, like, initially I was like, or maybe this is quite a slow match because I didn't know how much they'd worked together before. Like it was mentioned in the backstage bit where Roddy was like, "Oh, it's eight years in the making, some rematch against Ishii." Yeah, but they, then the Kingdom wanted to get into chaos and couldn't. Yeah, yeah chaos, yeah, right? Yeah. So I don't even know what that is. So like, I was like, cool. Like I was, and I didn't know if Orange had been in Japan. I didn't know it's how much the chaos was stable within New Japan because uh-huh. uh, Ichiro Okada, the member of the group Shinsuke Nakamura, used mm-hmm. to be obviously Tomohiro Ishii is, and obviously Chaos and Best Friends have sort of been folded together on right. screen, and I think. Best friends were made members of Chaos, if I remember correctly, via Rocky Romero, who was also in Chaos. Right, okay. I'm sure when the Forbidden Door first opened, they just said, yeah, 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 you're in in Chaos, we're all mates. Right. So there's a bond, there's a unity between the two, and the Kingdom are kind of targeting. By going for these, they're kind of targeting both. Right, because, yeah, my thing was, like, I didn't know how much, if they were feeling each other out in the ring, if they knew each other before. Wait a minute, Scott. (laughs) Hang on. You were just able to infer it and enjoy it all the same, because... (laughs) I've seen on X that, like, without all of that information laid out as I just did there, you wouldn't have possibly been able to enjoy it again. No, I know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I need some sort of uh, step by step. Just watch WWE. I mean, I don't, you know, it's the. How did you understand it? How could I possibly pick it out? You're but, some um, sort of brain genius. <laughs> <laughs> a a brain I- genius. Do a live IQ test on another podcast. The real you brain must genius. Be 200 or something. Send it to the show. I don't know. But either way, I, I watching that match at the beginning, I was like, I, like I said, how much do they, do they know each other? And then as it went on, it just got great. Like, I, I'm also a sucker for it. It's like, a, a quality of a match that you don't know it's missing until you notice it's missing where it's like the pacing yeah. where it's like oh actually I'm bored by this or oh, actually this is great mm-hmm. or this has been a great match for the last five minutes ten minutes um, and it got there like I think it was a little bit slow at the start but once it like the, everything you just described once you st- once they started trading the hard hits like the delayed suplex like um, they had such great chemistry after a while yeah. and it, it tapped into that thing that I love about the Styles Clash stuff of like you've got Cassidy who has like elements of Lucha style in there mm-hmm. but then you've got Ishii who's just going to shoulder barge the living hell out of you <laughs> and it's like I love love that stuff um, and yeah I thought they came together really really well I just love Ishii I think he looks awesome and like I didn't know who he was until about two years ago or something yeah. um, and I'm a big fan of just, just his presence I love the no sell in the corner um, it's such a great spot and his face is perfect for it like he's got such a what he's are you one doing? of the best sellers ever yeah like, and it's the, like, del- he's, like he's kind of he's not the first but he's one of the major main stage pioneers mm. of the delayed sell which almost feels more real right. like you're so hard that you've sustained what the person has done yes. and then when you've knocked them down you're like actually 
actually that knack and you fall over as well. And it's just like, like it's, it's not everybody can pull that off. No, but he definitely can. Yeah, he reminds me of um, there was a thing in uh, there's a, a gaming franchise called it's now it's called like a dragon, but it was marketed over here as the as Yakuza. And in Yakuza Six, they had New Japan wrestlers in there. The street fight uh, with, with the Big Show and. Over then last year. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there was a, there's another game just came out called Infinite Wealth, but there was a one last year. They did a sponsored thing for yeah in AEW, and uh, and for Yakuza Six, they had a bunch of New Japan people in there. Okada was in there. He does the Rainmaker pose thing. It's awesome. And they had Naito in there doing the eye and everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ishii wasn't in there, and I always wanted him to be in there because it's like watching him again in this match. He's so imposing. I was like, put that guy in a three piece and let him walk imposingly towards someone. <laughs> it would be awesome. And so yeah, I just I uh, I was a huge fan of the match overall. The um the trend stuff, I, I don't know. I just don't think. I care about Trent and I don't mean mm. to bury the man I just I don't know like, no, like I get it I'm not a best friend I like this I like best friends but I, well I like this and I mm. don't like best friends I've right, never been right. asked but I'm like for some reason this has caught my eye this little mm. intra best friend rival and Trent Trent plays an arsehole so convincingly it makes yeah. me think that he should have been doing it longer he's it kind just- of a Dick. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's like sometimes it's worth leaning into that. And well, like, he was like he always came across like he was like above how goofy the best friend yeah. stuff is, mm-hmm. and I guess he can do that. I just wonder about sort of like nuclear detonating that. There's a there's a genuineness isn't a word, but like there's a genuine like we're all kind of we're all nerds. Like yeah, yeah I don't know if you watched um, the floor is lava when the best friends were on it. Yes, I've um, seen that one. It's, right, and it's, it's stat and orange. Stat and orange. And, is it? I think Chuck is Chuck the other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's like you get that they're all like nerds in real life. They're all friends. Like we're not, we're all not taking this as seriously. They've all kind of got the same sense of humor apart from Trent. Yeah, and it's like maybe he was always like the cool guy. It's like in high school or something. He always didn't want to be this. This is my group of friends. Like what? I should yeah, be yeah, with yeah. the cool kids or whatever. And, uh, and sure, you can play on that. And it's like maybe you just extract Trent from them and the best friends stay as Orange uh, Stat and Chuck or something. But um, I ultimately, it feels so savage. But like, yeah, I just, I'm just not that bothered about Trent and Chuck. Um, I'm more bothered about Trent because I feel like his form is better. Yeah. Like, I enjoy watching Trent matches. I forget who he had a one-on-one against recently that was really, really solid. Um, and it kind of turned me around a yeah, bit on him. him and Omega from New Japan. It might have been. No, no. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Right, that, cool. You'll absolutely love that. Right, sweet. From about 2016, I think. Like, yeah, Omega's in just a former's life and, like, him and, it, like, Trent as, like, I was going to say as an underdog, as, mm. like, tag wrestler, but that's kind of still what he is. It feels like AW. it to me. Like, an unbelievable, like, he's got singles bangers in him, but right. that's never really been his role. And I sometimes think, like, best friends are so part of the scenery I can't yeah and it's like get. maybe that's what it is this time around well, I kind of feel like because the turn is coming yeah yeah it's like right now's the time to lean in mm-hmm well, just yeah. the, with the trend thing, you've got like with his mum, his, his mum's coming out. She's got the cookies, and like yeah. I love the bit at Wembley where it was like, uh, "What's his mum called again?" Sue. Sue. It's like, uh, like using Sue's bakery or whatever. Sue's uh, van. Is Sue's always, van. Yeah, yeah. And then someone wheel, he wielded the tray of cookies, and I was like, "Okay, you can do that. You can do like this whole like I'm, I'm a bit older, but I still love my mum, yeah. my, my mom, and I'm still respecting all that. And like I'm going to use the tray of cookies, and like that, that's a really good goofy thing that taps into the best friend stuff. Um, like that's fine. But then most of him is like, I'm above this. I'm a bit sick of this, and and whatever. So. I don't know. I just, I think ultimately as long as it's compelling, but like I always wondered how much of, of him, was it his idea for the, the, the Sue Van thing? He has a t-shirt where it's him and his mum, but he's all battered and she yeah. looks normal. Like, I don't know what he's going for, but like, he's in phenomenal shape and I hope he gets an excuse to just run with it for a bit. Ah, he's, he's a low-key body guy. Yeah, me. man. Yeah. Um, well, yes. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts Anytime, on uh, Collision, Scott. Uh, if people want to dig even deeper with you on X, where can they find you? They can find me at slash LP89.
You can find me at Michael Hanford. You can find all of us at What Culture WB. What Culture get WC Gaming? Yeah, yeah. If you search What Culture Gaming, but I think the actual tag is WCG and then Aiming. WC Gaming. They'll know where it's from. It's on. It's on X, isn't it? It's yeah. it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, it's, it's, all, just, it's all on there. At the end of the day. Um, yes, and uh, we'll be back later on with all our coverage of SmackDown from the weekend. Uh, later in the week, myself and Sid will be here for the AW preview for Dynamite and all that sort of good stuff. And until next time, we will see you soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.